You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 223 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? What's been happening in Gina world? Oh my God, it's been such a big week. Uh, I'm great, Val. How are you going? Yeah, good, good. Why has it been a big week? What have you been up to? I hear you've been MacGyvering your dick. I have. I'm so and proud. I, uh, and of just my so MacGyver I'm clear school. in the pronunciation, I did say dick. D E K. No, D E C K. What do you think people thought you said? You know, in case I was from New Zealand or something. Oh, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I've decided to uh, restain both my decks. And yes. so I've, did, I've done the back one. Uh, it looks amazing. Okay. It looks brand new. And I'm halfway through wow. the front one. It's fantastic. Very <laughs> proud of myself. Well done. Is that what you've done all weekend? <laughs> no, just uh, there was a few hours today. And what, what I do is I give myself, because um, otherwise stuff never gets done. So I do that. You know, do you know how to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Right. So I apply that to everything I do in life rather than thinking I'm going to do this all at once in one go and block out like five days, which I never Mm. have, like five Mm. days in a row that I can do anything. And so it either doesn't get done or I say, okay, I can block out an hour each day to do a little bit and it gets done. And this is how I wrote my books. I'm like, how do I write a book? Mm -hmm. Why don't I just try and do 500 words a day? And so that's how I did it. And I think you, cool. you could learn photography the same way, Val. It's amazing. Like people think, yes, oh, my true. God, I need to find three months where I can just sit and study all this stuff and do it all or I need a full day on a Sunday or I need all weekend to go and just shoot. But the thing is if you do it consistently and if you even just allow yourself five minutes a day, to mm. learn one thing, one skill on Photoshop. That's how I learned Lightroom. I Like I would have all these Lightroom tutorials loaded up on my phone and if ever I had a five-minute, ten-minute uh, to spare, I'd, I'd watch a tutorial and take in a little bit more information. So I think this technique applies to – is this how you – I mean, I know you paint a lot, but you mm. will try and fit in like, oh, I've got half an hour to spare. I might just – Coat, coat this painting or, or do sure. this little yeah, corner. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because who has time to do, you know, everything at once? It's a good way to clean your mm. house and you can get abs the same <laughs> way, Val. <laughs> you can get abs. You can get abs the same way. You just go five minutes, all right, how many sit-ups can I do in this five minutes or, you know, uh, bicep curls. Do you have abs? No. Huh? 
Do you okay, have it depends abs? on the day. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the day. Getting old now, so it's hard to keep them. They used to like um you could uh party hard and uh like you know <laughs> give the buffet a good nudge and a couple of days later I could be- bounce back, but it's getting a lot harder <laughs> these days. Oh, yes, okay. <laughs> you know. I have you got abs, Val? <laughs> I don't think I've seen my abs for a while. <laughs> they're, they're, they're in there somewhere. It's not going to get any somewhere. easier in the next month, is it? We're, we're no. heading into uh, food festival time. I know, I know, (laughs) but, you know, let's not think about that. In fact, that kind of is a great segue into a shout-out that we want to give to New Day Photo from the US who has kindly left us a review on iTunes and has titled it Better Than Nutella. So Mm. speaking about food, we are better than Nutella, apparently. So, uh, New Day Photo, thank you so much for leaving your review. They've said, I've never listened to podcasts, but decided to click on the fun purple button when it popped up (laughs) on the screen in my car. Oh, that's never popped up in the screen on my car. I need a new car. Okay. Because the iPhone knows all, it suggested this particular podcast to be my first. What a magical concoction of information. (laughs) Gina has an incredible gift of breaking down information into a usable format. Her banter with Valerie is entertaining and they both bring a lot to the table. I listen nonstop while I do chores around my farm and I've learned a crazy amount in a short time. The variety of topics make their podcast one that applies to people in all stages of photography. Thank you, Gina and Valerie, for all that you do. Wow, New Day Photo. I just love that. I hope, New Day Photo, can you please make yourself known, if possible, in the um, Facebook group. So the listener Facebook group, which is free to join, anyone, any listeners can join. Just go to So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. And if you are in there, New Day Photo, let us know who you are. We'd yes. love to connect with um with, with you. And thank you so much for leaving the review on iTunes. Isn't that yeah, cool, Gina? It's fantastic. And t- please take a photo of your farm and also yes, any listeners, I want please, to see the farm. please, please, please show us your backyard or where you live you know or the view from your office or you know as you're driving just take a snap and upload it because I love to see because we've got listeners from all over the world so just hashtag it hashtag my backyard and we would love to see what your backyard looks like even if you just take a iPhone photo that's fine it's just really cool to you know see what goes on in in your life I will um, I will also take a photo of my backyard, which is a bit of a mess. So maybe I'll take it of the front well, yard. Take the we photo w- out your window, Val, out the office window. Yes, it's amazing. Yes. That'll do yes, the view from your office. That's true. Either one, the you've got the opera house, or and no, you've got the Sydney <laughs> Harbour Bridge, the Harbour and, Bridge, yes, and, and uh, or you've got uh, beautiful boats. Pit water. Yeah. Yes. All right. So. Uh, we will start the hashtag, we will start the thread in the podcast group, but make sure you come on over New Day Photo if you haven't already. All right, so Gina, you want us to know about content aware Phil. Well, yeah, <laughs> so um, Photoshop has just done an upgrade. Uh, the, the, the They're calling it the 2019 upgrade, even though it's 2018, mm. but 
heaps and heaps and yeah. heaps of new amazing things. The uh, technology is getting so good, Val. It's scary. Mm. So there's uh, a tool called Content Aware Fill that Photoshop have that up until now it was pretty good. So let's just say, Val, you took a photo out your window, out the office window mm. of all the boats in the harbour and every all the boats look beautiful but maybe there's one boat that's just like um, one of those orange uh, dinghies that not not quite as sexy as the sailboats, right? Okay. And it yeah. just doesn't make your shot look as pretty. You could use okay. the older version of Photoshop and their content-aware fill. So what you could do is select the area around the boat, mm -hmm. okay, yep. and then you click fill, content-aware fill, and Photoshop uses its magic skills and will mm -hmm. fill those pixels in and in most cases do an okay job, get you close that you could go back and maybe clone, all right? Or mm -hmm. let's just say that you took a photo of a sky and there was, say, uh, a plane in the air and you didn't want that in the shot, you could use that. It will take it out and fill where the plane was with sky mm -hmm. instead. And and yep. it was kind of all right, but there was instances where maybe uh, if you had a person in the background and it was just mm. a bit more complicated, it would mm. make a hot mess of it, <laughs> okay. really, in the past. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't fantastic, and the you know people who worked with it a lot were, were clever, and there was there was ways with layers that you could make it non-destructive and all of this. But but what mm. Photoshop has done now have made it so brilliant that I I was actually I had a shot where I you know how I bring my lights in very very close, and they're always in the frame when not when mm. I shoot off camera flash. I always have my lights in the frame, and what I do is I take my shot. And then I lock off my camera, I remove the light and I take another yep. shot so that I can then go back and uh, Photoshop the light out. It's a really easy technique. There was one yep. shot where I changed cameras oh. and I actually went to handheld and did a second shot with a different lens, different camera. Forgot to take the light out, didn't I, Val? Oh. And I had this shot and I'm like, oh, I don't have a clean plate of this. And I'm like, I'm going to test out this content-aware fill. So I had a look. Yes. I had to play around with this. A little bit complicated at first. It's sort of hard to get your head around. Had to play mm. with it. Oh, my God, it's amazing. <laughs> and got rid of the light. Wow. Like, it, Does it, that it, mean it, in the future you're not going to bother taking the clean plate? I, no, because you, you, you may as well. It just saves you the time. But this shot was a guy in front of a jetty. And then beyond the jetty, there was like thousands of little sailboats with all their masts in the background. So it was a super, super detailed shot. And yeah. the light was in front of all these um, sailboats and the jetty and all of that. And I'm like, let's let's see what you got, Photoshop. And I mm. did it and I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. So I actually uh, then decided that I, I should create a tutorial about this so for the gold members cool. i've created a very detailed step-by-step -step, uh tutorial on how to use this the new content aware fill and i've actually uh recorded that that exact shot that i was talking about uh so you can see what's possible i think it's a game changer so um yeah. if you do have a subscription to photoshop and uh, you update to the 2019 version and have a play around. I think you'll, you'll, you guys will love it. Uh, yeah, so check it out.
Awesome, awesome. And if you're not a member of the Gold community over at GinaMilitia.com, here's a little bit of information about what's in store. Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production. You get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. All right, so uh, this week... We are chatting, well, you have been chatting to Wayne Rogers. Who is Wayne? So we had Wayne Rogers on from the camera clinic back in episode ah, 194. Good old Wayne. Yes. What's up? And yeah, what's up? <laughs> uh, amazing guy, just yes. a guru on all things uh, technology. This guy just knows, and just to give you a little bit of insight, <laughs> the type of guy that he is, you know, uh, you, you would well know, Val, that when you're organising these interviews, there's a little bit of back and forth that goes on and mm-hmm. rescheduling and things like that. So we had lined up a call and uh, had to cancel it. So he, he, he'd called me and we're having a conversation. I remember I was driving back from somewhere mm-hmm. and like, Normally, it'd be like a bit of mindless chit-chat and, uh, you know, banter and things like that. No, Wayne decided because some off-the-cuff remark I made about the internet mm. and then and then I asked another question and then Wayne explained how the internet works. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, and he broke it down and he explained it in such a way uh, that it all made sense because his internet wasn't working because of uh, like a fault with uh, th- th- their provider. And okay. uh, and then, uh, you know, I'm asking a couple of questions. He's like, no, 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 what actually happens is. And then he, he took the next 20 minutes to explain it all to me. I felt so smart after that. So Wayne really is like Google. He's like Google, so anything you need to know. So Wayne works <laughs> at the camera clinic, which is in Melbourne, and they uh, take care of all my cameras and they're, they're like masters at repairing lenses and cameras and there's a whole team of technicians. And whenever I go in there, it's always an hour visit and uh, mm. you, you just come away with all this great information. So I keep thinking, I've got to get you on the podcast as a regular because, mm. you know, so we can do these deep dives. Yes, into- love it. Uh, lots of different areas. So a question that I get asked about a lot is yes. uh, focus with photographers. So mm-hmm. like 
you know, whether you're starting out or you're a little, little bit more advanced in your photography journey to be like, quote, the bachelor, I think. They use that <laughs> word a lot, don't they? Uh, there's nothing more frustrating than, you know, not being able to nail the focus. So, and it's like one of the biggest complaints. And a lot of it can be like user error. So you haven't quite uh, worked out how to move focus points or depth of field, or it could be that you don't have a fast enough shutter speed, right? But, Mm. or your eyes aren't quite, you know, working as well as they should. Right. Yes. But, you know, what if you rule out all of that? You go, no, 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 I'm using a fast shutter speed. No, I've got a good effort. And you still can't quite nail the focus. It, it, right. it could be a problem that's caused by your lens. And really? it could be a really simple and easy fix that you can actually do yourself. So I thought rather than us trying to work our way through all this sort of technical stuff, uh, I'd get Wayne on the show to to explain it all to us. And you need to, just for that, there is one takeaway that he explains a technique, the best technique I've ever heard, mm-hmm. to calibrate your own lenses. And he uses a tape measure and a cereal box. And I know there are tons of <laughs> tutorials online that describe this and there's actually kits that you can buy that are a couple of hundred bucks, I know because I have one, mm-hmm. but Wayne explains why they're not quite right and they don't Ooh. work as effectively as his little, what would it cost you for a box of cereal depending on what kind you buy, you know? I don't know, $7? Wheaties, seven bucks for cereal? I don't, I don't know. I don't Where buy are you cereal. shopping? How yeah, much is cereal? Obviously, I don't think it's $7. <laughs> You got, like is yours gold yeah. plated, gold plated no. cereal bell? <laughs> Isn't it? You All go right, to the five dollars. Supermarkets, then. okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so a few dollars for the cereal, and mm-hmm. uh, and then you know a few dollars for the tape. So ten dollars, and you've got this way of calibrating your lenses, which is basically checking if your lens is talking to your camera properly and uh, focusing where it should. And he also like constantly comes up with all this great information. We talk about lens creep and Mm. there's also another term which I love, lens slop. Lens slop. I love it. (laughs) I loved it so much. I want a T-shirt that says lens slop. And uh, interestingly, uh, uh, like he has uh, an opposing issue to using UV, UV filters than I do and like, like also explains all the co- common mechanical problems that you might have with that, that may cause your images to be out of focus and lots of others. Like the one that blew my mind was about the how colour temperature will affect uh, can affect the sharpness of your image. I'd never heard of that. And so mm-hmm. uh, really interesting stuff. So And changes in lens technology. And uh, he's talking about updating your lenses a little more regularly now than what we used to. So I think uh, this episode you'll get a lot out of it. Shall we have a listen? Absolutely. So let's have a listen to Wayne Rogers. <laughs> Wayne Rogers, welcome to the show. How are you going? Very well, thanks, Gina. Glad to be here. And uh, how about yourself? How are you doing? I'm going well. It's great to have you back on the show. It was, well, I think we only just touched the, like, you know, the, the tip of the iceberg with you. You, you. you were always 
have so much amazing information, so I thought I'd get you back and we do maybe a deep dive into lens focus, I think, which is probably one of the most common questions I get, you know, people wondering, is it is it them? Is it user error or is there something wrong with their lenses? So I think we'll dive straight in. What would you say is the most common fault with lenses that you see in your in your workshop? Wow. Um, look, and there's 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 been a lot of that. There's 35 years of um, in the workshop for me, and I tell you, that's still the most common uh, aspect of lens repairs, or, or is really focus based, and it, and it's what we call focus optimization. And we receive a lot of equipment that's that simply is either not sharp or it's missing the missing the mark yeah and you know as we know um, we've, we've discussed that before it's probably the single most piece of uh, complicated equipment that we'll ever own with microelectronics fine mechanics and precision optics and sometimes they do go wrong we're proof of that our existence proves that <laughs> um, so lenses they're, they're they're sort of an interesting beast uh, a lot of people uh, tend to think that Spending the more money you spend on your optics, the better the result you'll get, which is true to a degree. But then you can go a little bit overboard. And for example, the difference between an 85 1.8 or an 85 1.4, to get that extra stop of light, you need a lot more glass. And because you've got a lot more glass in that lens, you tend to get refractions and you get uh, more softening and ghosting. So that chasing that fast prime lens doesn't always yield a better result. Sometimes we end up with a slight milkiness when we go to those faster wide open apertures because of the, the nature of light and the optics and the refractive index changes with those sort of lenses with a 1.4. Uh, for example, you get um, uh, uh, more bouncing of light internally in the lens um, and the exiting angle that the light comes out of the lens is, is more acute when go to a wide open apertures and because our sensors have got little micro lenses in front of them a tiny little you know small much much smaller than a pinhead uh, micrometer little lenses that help focus the light onto the pixels um, they can bounce the light when it comes from the lens at an acute angle so you get this milky effect it's not quite clear it's almost like you need to pop some contrast into it to get it to snap a bit um, so sometimes chasing that fast lens is not always the best things you were talking about you know lenses and what can happen to them yeah well there's lots um, the lens itself the focusing system in the camera is critical and if that's out um, with a lens um, you you just you be pushing to get a sharp result. For example, you might be getting forward or back focusing. So, do you uh, want to explain the difference between forward focusing and back focusing? I, you, I hear that talked about a lot. With so, sure, yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. So, um, in respect to forward or back focusing, for example, you, you're getting images, um, and the results uh, that the uh, either focusing behind the subject that you were specifically targeting or in front of the subject that you were targeting. So that's forward focusing. Uh, when that occurs, it, it's often a fault within uh, the body focus and it also can be a fault with the lens as well. 
typically it's the body that's causing that type of failure yeah. that if it's back focusing or forward focusing however a lot of lenses also do have the ability to uh, have an internal focus bias and in actual fact we can do a correction in the lenses that give you the opportunity to shift that focus forward or back so Gina the way sort of it works is that the, the camera itself the body is doing all the hard work to determine where the subject is and what how the how the lens should be driven to achieve focus uh, it's used on, on a contrast system that is is that it needs to have um, some defining contrast uh, to detect the focus remember the old screens what you had were split screens yeah uh, focusing screens it's the same principle with digital cameras uh, except the focusing system has a, a, a micro prism in it that splits the light into two different two different sensors and when those contrasting lights match in levels the, the cameras in focus when they when one half of that sort of split screen is brighter than the other half then it's out of focus and it needs to move it so it's a very simple process that they use and it's been you know it's been in our split screens for years and, and ultimately we were the autofocus system <laughs> well yeah before. yeah we did it ourselves and so you you that, that that's how you'd manually focus i mean i i i have noticed a huge improvement in my ability to to nail the shot to get the focus so before when i was shooting film everything was manually focused and yep. so it, it came to me to get to get to get that shot and then autofocus lens came in and the autofocus wasn't fantastic let, let let's face it it wasn't yeah. if you had the right full moon on the right day at the right yeah, time yeah. you could get a sharp shot and i realize now that it was all about having that high contrast in the image i think i remember the the canon 5d the first yep. version and the 5D Mark II, I think, if you had very low contrast, if you were photographing someone with, say, with very soft daylight, a twilight, uh, it, it was yep. the searching, 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 searching. But lately, yep. the the autofocus systems have improved so much that it's it's really hard to miss the shot. So I think... The, but but I still get the questions of I'm not getting my images in focus, and so there, there is it's a combination of either human error where you're not focusing correctly or you're not focusing in optimum conditions, I guess, or it's mechanical error. So how do you know which one it is? How can you yep. Um, yep. rule out human error? Well, there's there's a general rule of thumb, and that's what we're saying. Um, just earlier that that if you're forward or back focusing it's often a fault in the body it's or it's a fault in the it's an adjustment in the lens and that can be achieved and that's typically it's not a user problem normally when they're forward or back focusing what is an optimum image that you can take to 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 know for sure that it is forward or back focusing to rule out say low contrast or something would you would you want to go outside and photograph something in high contrast and no like so forward or back focusing from yep. my understanding is let's say you've got uh, a photo you're taking a, a portrait of someone and you're using say the that that 85 
I've got the 1.2. Say I'm trying to focus yep. at, at, at a wide open at 1.2 yep. and I put my, I focus on the actual eyeball because it's like such a shallow depth of field that if I focus on the eyeball, I know that it'll start to yep. drop out of focus just like at the eyelashes almost, right? Yeah. And I'm, I, I know that I'm focusing on the eyeball. I've, you know, maybe use live view, I zoom in, I know that that's where my focus point is. But then when I get my shot and have a look, it's focused either yep. behind that spot or yep. in front of it. Like the, the yep. nose is sharp, but the eyeball isn't, or the eyelashes are sharp, but the eyeball isn't. So yeah. do you just need to um, try take a shot in optimum conditions to rule out human error? You, you've, you've picked up something that a lot of people see, and, and that was what we're saying, the forward and back focusing, and, and of course the other part of it, which we'll discuss in a moment, which is just nothing sharp in the shot. Um, and, that, and we'll get to that one soon. But the forward or back focusing, a, a simple test, and, and I think we might have discussed this a little bit last um, uh, last time we had a chat, The it's not an expensive focus target test from the internet. Um, they're great, but they have limitations. And I'm sorry, the, the limitations are that that they're normally set to one distance, which isn't the optimum distance that most people shoot at. Sometimes they're one metre, sometimes they're two metres away from the camera, which is not really the optimum distance. And the reason for that is that we've got to test them at, at, at that distance, but we've also got to test them at, at further distances like five metres and even 15 metres because the cameras themselves, the body depth themselves, um, that's the all referred to as a flange back focus. That's the distance from the bayonet mount to the sensor. If that's out, then the lens focusing becomes unlinear. So the further you're away from the subject, you might get an error. Right. Or you might get an error closer to the subject. Depends on your body depth and how it's out, and and impacts one of the biggest causes of that. So we'll, we'll get to the impact of the body depth as well. But in reference to a quick test shot for your back or front focusing test. It's can be a zoom lens, can be a prime lens. Use the ones that you test the lens that you use the most or that you want to test. Don't don't uh, use your primes specifically. Um, but you're shooting wide open apertures. So whatever it is, 2.8, 1.2, uh, etc. Wide open apertures, um, a reasonable ISO so you've got uh, eliminating some movement. Um, you don't want a too slow shutter speed, but you don't yep. want the ISO too high because the ISO creates grain and the grain degrades the sharpness a bit. Right. And outright. So if you've got a 3200 ISO, a 1600 ISO um, image, uh, is going to look a lot softer than a 400 ISO. Right. 200, most definitely. And particularly the, the more pixels you have, the softer it gets with higher ISO. Right. It, that's just unavoidable. Um, it's just the noise and, and the degradation of, of, of that image because of that, because of the amplification of the signal. You, you lose clarity. It's like turning up the volume of a, of a tape that's got a lot of hiss. You just hear more hiss. Yep. Um, you hear that everything's louder, but you still hear the hiss a bit more prominent. So it's the same sort of thing. You get distracted by it. Uh, so what we're shooting is the classic that I love to use is an eight meter ruler tape measure. Yep. Down on the ground, particularly in daylight, it makes a difference. And, and there's color, t there's uh, light frequencies that make a difference in focus as well. So we'll, we'll 
probably get onto that if, if we have time today as well. Sure. Um, so we, we've got an eight meter tape measure on the ground. Um, you've got the sta start of the uh, tape measure, zero centimeters uh, or inches. Uh, and it goes away from you and around about the five meter mark, uh, you want to pop something like a cereal packet or a box, something with some contrast, something at least bigger than an A4 piece of paper. Uh, and that's facing you. Yeah. So if you picture this at your feet, you've got the, the zero centimeter of the tape measure and it goes away from you straight out, straight out on the ground. At the five meter mark, you've got a cereal packet and it's right on that five meter mark and it's facing you. Yeah. And then of course the tape measure continues to the eight meter mark. So you've got some ruler at the back of the cereal packet and at the front of the cereal packet. Right. And with your camera wide open, you, you take a shot with the focusing point, center focusing point at the moment, um, right in the middle of that cereal box. And have a look at your results and you'll see if the focus is actually crept behind the five meter mark or in front of the five meter mark, back focus or forward focus. So it's a good if, idea. You focus on the uh, the Cheerios or what the Kellogg's yep. cornflakes or whatever it is, and you, you can you can tell you're sharp because the lettering is pin sharp yep. so you've got that high contrast and so if frosties. it's i think i grew up on frosties you grew I, up on I, frosties yeah i was a hypo kid you know that was those sort of cornflakes coated in sugar yeah, yeah. i loved cocoa, cocoa pops <laughs> yeah they were their chocolate milkshake weren't they and then i got healthy and i went on to nutrigrain nutrigrain yeah, yeah. because yeah. that was for iron men and women and and that that that's also just sugar as well. Yeah, I know. It's so good. Yeah. And then we wise up and it's really just weak bits now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So y yeah. if your if the focus is sharp on the on the lettering, then you know that your lens is uh, focusing as it should or and, yep. and your camera body and the lens are, are working together. But if you're yep. slightly in front yep. is then you'll, you have you'll see if you've got a focus error yep. and some cameras, uh, a lot of the newer cameras, give you the opportunity to do a fine-tune within the menu of the camera. So it's a, it's a, a feature, and it's called a focus fine-tune, and you can actually shift that focus forward or back, and it's a great opportunity to correct something, particularly if you don't have the opportunity to get into um, a service centre. So how do you know, like, at those, like, wide open 1.2, 2.8, d depending on your lens, how fast yep. it is, how do you know that, that it's you're just pushing the lens beyond what it's capable of and it's just that the lens is shite, it's not yep. front or back focus? How, yep. how do you know the difference? That That's, that's a tricky one. Um, that's where the internet's fantastic in the respect there's a lot of uh, – Photographic companies that will publish resolution information or, or, or at least test shots that are done. And it gives you an idea of what the lens should be resolving to. Because the second part of that, okay, you've established that it's not forward focusing, it's not back focusing. And when you do see the point of focus on that tape measure, it's quite distinct. You know, that five meter, the, the writing on the tape measure and the marker points at every centimeter or inch, a quarter inch, they're all sharp. They're all nice and sharp, and you can see the point where it's focused. Uh, you can even experiment by changing it to f5.6 just to see how much your depth of field moves and where it is. It gives you an idea of what you're going to get in focus. You can also walk forward a bit, so you're only, uh, say, two metres away from the subject, just to see if you're 
camera maintains the same point of focus, whether you're close or further away. Yep. So that's good. Keep in mind, though, when you do get close, you're going to be at a quite an acute angle looking down. And because of that, your your field of focus being so shallow um, might cut through that uh, serial box at the top of the box, but at the bottom of the box it might be unsharp. Yeah. Because you're not, no longer parallel. So if you consider that the the sensor itself is a field, a plane, a field, it's a bit it's a bit like a, you know a, a box in its own right. And if you've got the the box you're looking at and the serial serial box being the sensor, and if they're not parallel to each other, one's tilted forwards, then your focus will be cutting through that on a slight angle. And that happens a lot. In actual fact, that it's a classic wedding error. Uh, you're taking a shot, a group shot, and you've got six people, and they're all standing next to each other. Most of the time, they tend to curve inwards. So you do a slight curve. When they're standing. The, the, when they're the standing, group. yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. You've got a group yes. shot, and, and you, you want a shallow depth of field, so you're probably at 2.8. You're at you, you know, maybe 10 or 15 metres back with an 80 mil lens or something, at 80 to 200, 80, uh, 70 to 200. And... They've got a slight curve in the stand. They're not perfectly straight. Yeah. So the ones at the front are going to be probably in focus, and the ones at the back, which would be the bride and the groom, middle, I yeah. say, um, which are slightly back, and it's hard to see that they are back, are actually out of focus. Um, so we, we often see that type of thing. Um, the, the errors that cameras give are typically um, front-focusing errors, and um, I'll explain a little bit more about that in the tick. So you've got your serial box. Um, and you've taken your shots and you realise that it's not front focusing, it's not back focusing. There's nothing damn sharp in it. It's just <laughs> right. yuck. Yeah. You know, it's just awful. And that's that's a that's a common one. That's a really tricky one in the respect. There's lots of causes for that. And the first couple of things are, are motion blur. So either the subject has moved or the photographer has moved. Um, that you know, geez, thirtieth of a second. Most of us are pretty good at that. 30th of a second with vibration reduction on or image stabilization on, you could easily handhold that. But if your subject moves at a 30th of a second, you're going to get blur. So they just right. turn their head a little bit or, you know, in actual fact, a big breath is, type, is enough to do it because of the, the change in their body position to get a little bit of um, uh, crispness in the eyes, lost, things like yeah. that. Um, so eliminating motion blur. You can see it in the shots when you zoom in really tight, even even more than 100%. You can see the fact that there's actually a shift. There's almost a double image. Yeah, it just um, looks like you... ghosting. Is it sort of yeah. slight yeah. ghosting? So that's yeah. that's motion blur, and you can you can sort of tell the difference between motion blur and an image that's out of focus. I guess yeah. by that you just see yeah that that yeah. that slight yeah. ghosting. Yep. Yeah, particularly in reflections like in eyes or glasses, or something that's got a sharp edge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a, a clean edge that so you can see that second image um, next to it, or one or two pixels away. Um, so that's one. That's motion blur that can be eliminated. Yep, user. The other one is optical pollution, and that is if there's some muck on the front of the lens or in the lens. Now, that's right. an easy one to check for because you can just look at it. You can uh, take the filter off, have a look, um, or look through the lens. Wait, wait, uh, wait! You said take the filter off. Have you got a filter on the front of your lens? Let's let's. I just need to um, chat about the the UV filter. I believe it's the um, paint protection for cars. It's up sold by camera shops. There's no use for them 
what what's your thought on putting um a yeah. five dollar UV filter over your five hundred dollar lens? Well, I'd rather scratch a five dollar filter than a five hundred dollar <laughs> lens element. So, and we replace them regularly. We replace that front lens element, and they're expensive to replace. Yes, but do, does having that cheap bit of plastic over the front of your lens does that um, affect the image quality? Inevitably, it can. In mm. a, a quality filter won't it will give you some improvement in it knocks out some of the ultraviolet yeah um, which can cause a little bit of softening because it's such a um, it's such a different frequency compared to the our, our other visible ones so it takes a little bit of the haze out but it's a you know it's there's some fanatics out there that 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 enjoy special speaker cables that costs um one thousand dollars per meter yeah and there's ones that will enjoy, enjoy, you know, like some jumper leads for your car using for speaker cables to listen to their hi-fi. And can you tell the difference? Well, maybe if you're trained in that area, you might. But, it's yeah, you can go overboard and there's very little difference in it. But apart from that, and, and, and there's plenty of arguments on the internet about it. And, um, yeah, look, some, some sensors benefit from it, from, you know, particularly the Leica sensors. If you don't have that filter on there, you actually get... A, a lot of ultraviolet light coming through the, the sensor because it doesn't block much and it makes a difference to your image. So, so, so you, you recommend a UV I recommend fil- fil- you do Yes? Purely for the purpose, doesn't have to be a UV filter, purely for the purpose of protection. Uh, okay, so and would you then invest in a – so if it's just for protection, what about a lens hood instead? Um, yeah, that's going to help you because it keeps things further away, and mm. you know the less, and particularly lens hoods are great because they're just going to stop the sun hitting your lens, and mm. the sun hitting the front of your lens will diffract in multiple angles, and it gives you all sorts of um, ghosting and other artifacts in the shot. So, you know, if you don't have direct sun hitting the front of your lens, you'll get a better photograph than if you do have direct sun hitting the front optics of your lens, 100 percent. And if you've got that lens hood as well, you're not n- yep. knocking the the, the, the yep. front of the lens. Just on that sunlight, so let's say you're an outdoor photographer, you're always out you're in the outback of Australia, out in the you know blazing sun, day in, day out. Yep. Is constant sunlight hitting the lens going to degrade the um, – is there a – there's coating on the lens, right? Yep. yep. Will that – deteriorate no it won't it won't your lenses are uv stable so they're right. not going to break down at all so there's not an issue having said that we're talking about with the filters um do you know one in ten filters cause softness of focus to a point where it's very noticeable one in ten in our workshop that is one in ten filters because they're a a, a, a cheaper um pl- no plastic. not necessarily we still see some we still see some um, expensive ones that do it. Not having said that, it's not as many. You know, there's, there's the the filters that do cause the one in ten focus uh, softness or resolution degradation, and it's quite obvious. And they've sent their camera equipment in for focus. You know, it's soft images, and it's the filter causing it. There's a frequency mismatch between the filter and the lens. The lenses themselves are capable of resolving to certain frequencies. And when you get a filter in the front of it, and it and that filter 
uh, adversely changes that frequency, it it can conflict. It's almost like a phase shift within the lens that causes uh, um, what would be what we would call a um, uh, a frequency skip or jump. So the light that comes out of the back of the lens um, has has it almost has like a ghosting effect, and the edges are just not there. There's you won't get sharpness out of it. Take the filter off; it's perfect. Wow. So so you probably check on the notice boards or, or um, on websites re- relating to your camera. What are the best filters that 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 won't mismatch? You want you want to match yeah. up correctly. Yeah. The name brand filters are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you know, all of the BMWs, the Hoyas, um, uh, what else have we got? Uh, Pro, Photo, um, there's quite a number of them. Having said that, there's there's some sometimes we get to get those ones play up every so often. So you get the filter, you get the filter that you're comfortable in paying for. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's there for protection, so you don't need to spend a hell of a lot because you're not going to get much improvement in your image quality if you spend a hell of a lot. Right. Um if you go all out, very, very little difference. And if you do notice the difference, that means you've got, uh, the one, the eye to detect it, and two, the camera that will resolve well enough to show you the difference as well. So that makes, you know, we're talking about these 50 megapixel cameras, that sort of resolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All um, right. So, yeah, take the filter off when you do this sort of test shot um, for resolution. So we, we take a photograph of, Anything that you're used to shooting, um, it can be a brick wall, it can be something that's well lit, you're not going to have camera movement, have your filter on, and then take your filter on and compare the two shots. That'll tell you if that's causing the resolution problem. Right. Fantastic. And moving on to that, the, the other part is that it's just soft outright, and it's not the filter, it's not the focus, it's not camera movement. It's just simply the lens is soft. So you've tried everything. It's pro- it is in taking the filter off, done your, you know, your, your tape measure on the ground shots. Um, but it's still not getting resolved. It could very well be that the lens itself is actually uh, could have some pollution in it. You can look through it and have a look. Maybe fungus, particularly in the tropics, that happens a lot. Yeah. You don't want to get fungus in your, in your lens if you're in the tropics. Don't store it in dark, dank conditions. So, you know, keep it in bright, light conditions. Leather is out of the question because they spawn fungus. Uh. And um, keep it in, you know, paper bags are great. Um, or if you've got a lot of gear and you're in really humid conditions, get a dehumidifier cabinet. They're worth the investment. They're only about, you know, say 400 Australian dollars for a decent sized one that'll put yeah. the whole kit in. And they run on power, they, they chuff away and they take the moisture out of the air. Because it's a big job to, re, to remove fungus from lenses. Really so that, that, and what you said a paper bag, store your lens in a paper bag. Yeah, yeah well, you don't want dust on it. Yeah. So you, you want to put it something where the air can breathe. Plastic bags will just get condensation and they, won't, they don't breathe. Paper bags are great if you want to store them in something. Your camera bag, nylon ones are good. Um, However, uh, leather is out, out because they spawn. If you, if you want to keep it in a, in, in a, a nylon camera bag, which most of them are of some sort, um, then and you're worried about fungus because it does start in the case first. It starts in that area. Yeah. Then a good, a good option is to uh, wipe over your case with 
you can go the organic option and use something like lemon and, and um, the natural option, I should say, lemon and vinegar. Yeah. Bit of bicarb so- soda in it that works. Mix it up. That's a good option to wipe around inside the cage. Otherwise, um, uh, ammonia is the best one. Bleach. Yeah, bleach is a bit nasty. All right. Bleach will take the colour out of your your, yep. your bag and, and other areas, but ammonia won't. So that, that's quite good, and you can still buy ammonia. You know, even the cloudy ammonia is all right. Mm. And that'll kill the the little mild spores. Spores, yes. All right. So, if you've ruled out the uh, um, gunk on your lens, yep. What else is there? So. Uh, the next phase is that the lens itself has uh, got some sort of degradation in, it, in the mechanics, in the position of the optics, which are absolutely critical. In most lenses, particularly zoom lenses, there's multiple adjustments. There's centering adjustments. There's the rear optical element has to be in a certain position. And we're talking about, you know, um, micrometer movements um, to, to shift and to make an error. And then there's the optical blocks themselves that move forward and backwards. These optical blocks um, are held in position with a, what they call in the industry rollers. I don't know why they call them rollers because they don't actually roll. They're <laughs> sliders. They're, they're nylon round um, like uh, little columns and they're only a couple of millimetres in diameter and they slide in the, in the lens backwards and forwards to allow the optical system to move. And, and correct as it zooms and focuses. And the area, the surface area that they run on is only about the size of two pinheads. So it's not a big area and eventually they wear down and they become sloppy. So they rattle around and, and they move into positions which is not indicative of, of alignment. Yeah. Um, there's not, you, you can tell a little bit. You can shake your lens and hear a rattle. You can pull on the front. If you've got a zoom lens, you get the part that moves in and out at the front. Yeah. You pull that forward and backwards. And if you feel a little bit of movement, a couple of millimetres forward, backwards, try it at the zoom and the wide position, then you've definitely got slop in the lens. And that Lens will... slop. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> slop. You've got a sloppy lens. <laughs> um, get it a bit. No, so the, the lens itself with a slop, uh, it will severely affect the image quality and the, the first thing you start to notice that goes off is the, the resolve, particularly the edges. And you can have it where the one side goes out yeah, or the, out, or the edges all round are out. And the easy way to test to shoot that is um, a brick wall, get nice and parallel to it because the bricks have got lines. Yeah. So you can use the top lines and the bottom lines in your viewfinder to get them guided up parallel. Wide open aperture. Do it at wide, do it at tally if you've got a zoom lens. Uh, and have a look at the shots there and you check all of those edges and you look for sharpness. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's an important On that lens slot, is that the same as lens creep? No, no. Lens creep is, is, is something where uh, if you point the lens forward or the point lens up, it actually, yeah. the zoom drops Yeah. without touching it. Yeah. What causes yeah. that? Uh, again, wear and tear. Those, those rollers that we're talking about become sloppy. Yeah. Uh, sliders. And it no longer holds position. 
So, so, so what do you do to repair that? Is that just a matter of getting in there and tightening everything up? Yeah, replace the rollers. Replace the rollers. Yeah. Or um, put on an elastic band around the... Around it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, there, is, there are also some uh, uh, light traps in the uh, zoom lenses and dust traps so that stop the, the dust coming through. You have to have air flow through your lens, unfortunately. Otherwise, it'd be like using a bike pump with the front of it blocked. Right. Just to be able to zoom, and you know that my, my classic is always uh, the the Canon uh, uh, 100 to 400, um, or the Sigma's, you know, the 50 to 500 type zoom lenses, and the, they're amazing. The amount of air that displaces through them, you can feel them on your eye when you zoom through the eyepiece. Wow! And that all goes onto the sensor. That's where it does come from. <laughs> right. So um, you have to have airflow, uh, but uh, to reduce the dust getting in, there's a, a, a dust seal around the zoom barrels. Yep. When they become worn, the lens becomes um, sloppy, and you have uh, when I say sloppy, you have zoom creep. Then. So, so is that just is that an easy fix to to repair that that sort of um, lens creep? Uh, none of them really are, unfortunately. Uh, mm. Lenses are pretty complicated, so you've got to go in a fair way to get to the to the slot, the rollers. And um, there's there's not a lot uh, you, you can do in the way of labour saves on those sort of things. Is, is so, so is lens creep? Is that sort of repair? Is that like when your gasket blows on your car? They got to take the whole engine out to to get this little bit of um, rubber at the bottom of your engine. Yeah, uh, not for lens creep. It's a little bit before that. Yeah, um, but for certainly for resolution problems that are caused by. Um, worn rollers or distorted castings, which is the other thing too, because remember these things stick out in front of your camera and they're vulnerable. And impact is is got to it has to be absorbed somewhere. And unfortunately, the internal castings, the metal aluminium tubes, take a hit. They get bent, and then you get a sloppy lens. You get resolution problems. The left side's out compared to the right. Yeah. That then requires. Um, roller replacements and castings and yeah that's like the engine the gasket in the engine block everything's got to come out to get to it so are there certain lenses where this is like a known factor just in the way it was built where that that that, like the the edges would be out of focus because there was one lens that i had that i like even if i was shooting at f8 and it was a wider lens the the edges would always be out of focus it was a frustrating lens to use um and then i looked it up and uh, like a lot of people had the same issue with it yeah now you've opened pandora's box Ma- <laughs> <laughs> yeah lens uh quality and resolve is is something that we we pay a lot of attention to because they and like we mentioned at the start there is you can spend a lot of money trying to improve that in, quality and chase it and not necessarily achieve it, um, particularly as you go to faster lenses. Um, having said that, gee, there's some good aftermarket ones that are coming out now. Most of the aftermarket lenses that were around, say, 10, 15 years ago, didn't resolve as well as the name brand lenses. Yeah. So there wasn't much advantage in going for them. In actual fact, that's where we saw a lot of the problems. And then the sensors became better in and higher resolving so you know you, you you've got to the year 24 megapixels 32 37 42 upwards 50 um the the cameras resolve better than the lenses uh, can or could 
at that time. So all of a sudden, these older lenses that weren't uh, seemed okay before on your your first digital camera that you had now are quite soft. Yes, they are, and they will be. Um, there's a, a, there's a good reference which you said um, before is the internet for um, uh, forums and even reference images that, that will show you that this lens is just not sharp and never will be. Yeah. So you know, chasing your tail, and that's that's a type of conversation that we often have here is that you know you can you can spend three or four hundred dollars trying to uh, replacing your rollers and getting rid of the slop. Yeah. But the improvement that you'll get will be back to something that's like like original, but that original isn't that good. So maybe you want to take that money and put it in towards a new lens, which you have a noticeable improvement because the technology in the lenses for for the the coatings that they're using, the fluoride glasses, the low distortion glasses, uh, glass things like that, um, disbursement, uh, they they're so good that that the um, and the spherical um, glass which accommodates digital sensors better um, they're so good that that it's worth putting that money into your newer lenses and upgrading regularly almost to the point as you, you upgrade your bodies right so that that, that wasn't always the case and uh, like before it would be okay so if you're upgrading then upgrade the body but keep the lenses but I think now as sensor sizes are increasing, uh, those old lenses that might be 10, 15 years old, they're not keeping yep. up with, and then, then they're not able to um, work together as well as the newer lenses which with the new technology. Is that right? Yeah, they are. And the new bodies have um, distortion mapping for lenses. So, for example, all lenses have hotspots in them. It's just the fundamentals of light traveling through. Hotspots. So just explain what a hotspot yeah. is. Sure, that's where you get a bright spot in the middle of the lens and it fades off to darker on the edge. So like vignetting? Like vignetting, yeah, yeah. like a, a, a very mild case of vignetting. Right. Uh, that That's uh, it's not caused by you know filters and hoods which can cause vignetting. It's just simply the, the, the nature of, of light as it passes through that particular optical system. It's difficult, it's unavoidable. However, the new cameras detect the lens, know the amount of hotspot or vignette that it has and compensates for it in its algorithm so it brightens the edges and dulls the centre a little bit. So it flattens the image in its luminance. Um, and having your new lenses, they, they are mapped, they're known. So, so the latest firmware in your camera has got all of that information about the lenses that, that, are, that, that you can put on this camera, particularly all the new ones, and it helps improve in those areas and, and stops that hot spot. Also, it helps with um, focus and distortion control as well, sharpens the edges, things like that. So um, the new lenses, yeah, they, they, they have improved a lot. I think they've had to because, look, let's face it, um, uh, Nikon, Canon, Sony and all, all of the big players have, have stood up and said, oh, you know, Sigma are producing some yeah. lenses that we, we need to compete with. Um, because they're taking some of our market share. So they're, they're starting to produce some stuff now, which the manufacturers typically took a while. You know, you'd have two or three bodies every year come out. Yeah, and um, we haven't seen any new lenses for a long time until yeah. now, I think. They're, yeah. they're starting to bring them out. And, yeah, you're right about the, the Sigma lenses. I've got the Art 35. Uh, yep. Fantastic. 
yeah, yeah, it, that's exactly it. Um, you know, we 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 love to get these in at the workshop. We've got a lot of uh, tech heads here, and and they're like vultures. Oh, a new piece of equipment. You know, the the Z series Nikon was just here the other day. Yeah. And um, and with a new series of lenses. So first thing we do is shoot with it, real shots. Then we put it on our resolve targets, and then we put it on our projector, and we just see what it's capable of. Um, so it's yeah, they're they're pretty damn good now. That's for sure. Okay, so I guess if you're buying that beautiful new uh, camera body, you probably would be a good idea to get it as a kit with the, the new lens. Is that what you'd recommend? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, you'll, it's always you know, the most important part of the kit is the lens, the optics. Yep. Uh, so, you know, get the best you can. Um, at the best you can afford. Uh, if you've got a body that's not going to resolve better than your lens, you will notice an improvement, most definitely. Um, you possibly won't notice the the full capabilities of the lens if your body can't resolve better than your lens. But it's better to have that way around than the opposite, that have a, a high-resolution body and a low-resolution lens. Yeah. Because that really lets the team down. So, it, and over a period of time that it might be a, a body upgraded. I know that as a professional photographer, you'd, you'd sort of used to be able to factor in eight years, you know, maybe even 10 years with the body and yeah. your lens in the film days. Yeah. Now it's three years and it's like, it's, it's ruthless um, how quickly that they change and become obsolete and how you have to factor that into the cost of your, of imaging. And then you're competing with, you know, everybody else out there that's buying the same piece of equipment. It's particularly frustrating when they stand over your shoulder and take photos at the wedding yeah. <laughs> next to you <laughs> with their very expensive camera. So, yeah. so every three years, we, we, like, there's something new coming out. But, like, I, from from what I've noticed, that, that like, the lens, even the cheapest lens today is probably better than say something that 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 was like a, a high end uh you know 15 years ago like i remember the high end zoom that i had yep. you know 15 years ago nothing was sharp yeah 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 <laughs> it was useless yes yeah yeah there was look there if you still even the even the older lenses on a on a good body still should perform quite well so if you've got a professional lens um, when I say pro lens, anything sort of 2.8 or faster, yeah, uh, you should be getting pretty good images out. If you're not, then there's possibly something wrong with that lens. Right. Be, um, some of the aftermarket lens, lenses were a bit bit average, uh, but most of the ranges of the brand name, the Canons and Nikons and Sony's, etc., um, are, are pretty good. So you should be able to get some decent results out of them. We've got plenty of photographers that are using their old lenses and, and loving it on new bodies. Um, and th there might be fine tunes that are necessary to achieve uh, balance in the focus. And again, there's the uh, there's the tape measure and the serial box with the fine tune option within the menu of the camera to get that lens balance. And the good thing about this fine tune, uh, Gina, is that it's specific to the lens you put on. So you can set up a fine tune correction to correct the forward or back focusing of one lens. And when you put another one on it doesn't affect that one it's, ah it's, that's the yeah, other because i was confused about that i thought you when you were setting that back and front focus it applied 
to that lens and then it'll, it'll apply that setting to all your lenses, but you can actually calibrate each lens to your camera? Correct. Yeah, there is one overall master adjustment that you can do for the whole body that affects every lens. Right. But there's also individual lenses that you can correct for as well. And so that that recommendation of using that 8-metre um, tape measure, measure right, yep. with the serial box, yep. would you recommend that over some of those calibrating kits that you can buy? Like there's some that are a couple of hundred dollars that, that, that are on an angle and they show, show all of that difference. But that little home remedy that you've just given, is that as good? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I stand by it. Um, you know, like I said, if you, if you can, you've got the option of going um, shoot, shooting at eight metres, at five metres and at two metres yeah. with the one device. Yeah. Whereas you find with the ones that you buy off the internet, unless they're that, unless you buy that one metre long ruler, uh, the, you know, the, the unit that's designed to be shot at five metres distance, yeah. all of them are very close, and which is all very good, providing that's where you do all your work. You can che- They'll check, they do the job very well and yeah. very easy to read. However, they 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 are at one distance only. A lot yeah. Of them. So this eight meters would cover uh, landscape photography and things where you're sort of further away. I guess like yeah. you're not going to be you know be able to know if you get something in focus a hundred meters away. Is there yeah. a difference when you're focusing over longer distances? Sure. Yeah. It's it's not a linear error. Um, so for example, if you've got a if you've got an error in your lens and it's forward focusing by um, two centimeters. Now that could be the difference between the eyes and nose sharp, or the yeah. eyes and ears sharp. If it goes back a little bit, uh, then you know you you might find it at 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 one meter you got a two centimeter error, but at twenty meters, it's greater again. You know, so that one one that one centimeter error all of a sudden is a, a fifteen centimeter error, ah. and at two hundred meters, it might be a, a it might be a three hundred centimeter error. But that little tweak at the, say, the uh, five meter mark will, will yep. then in turn correct the the where it's out further down the track. Is that right? It, it's a better range to work in. Yeah. Um, it's a more it's it's a more common range that people shoot in than close up. So so the focus targets you can buy off the net, which the sh- they are fairly short. Yes. Um, in their measurement stick, uh, only work when you're close to them. Only work really well when you're close, and that. The error that you get when you're close is very, very small. So you've got to be really critical with it. You have to be absolutely spot on. Um, and that, that it's much easier to see the error at five metres. And it's the distance that you're probably more likely to be needing correction at than the, than the closer up distances. Because the closer up distance is a little bit more forgiving because the error is so small anyway. All right, so let's just run through this um, home remedy that you've got again. So you've got the the eight meter tape measure. Yep. That's on the ground. Yeah. So you measure at eight meters, put that on the ground, and maybe tape it down so that there's no movement or anything like that. Would that help make it uh, more accurate? Sure, it does. Um, it, it doesn't seem to move around too much. Yep. Uh, I've done it, you know, outside with the sunlight can be a bit harsh. Yeah. Um, done it in the garage, you know, that sort of thing. Um. So, string it out. Yeah. With the tape Taut. measure. Yeah. Yep. Nice and tight. So it will stand stand upright. The tape measure, and they will extend. A good one will should lock in that position anyway. Um, oh, I've then, got the sewing tape measure, so that's not right. You've got to get the 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 tape measure for measuring 
yeah. yeah, okay. So yeah. the 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 metal one, the right. metal ones. Yeah, anything from twelve to you know twenty dollars at a hardware store. Yes, for eight meter tape measure. Um, and yeah, that the the material ones, of course, you, it's difficult to get in that length. Yep. Um, and you would have to pull them taut. Yes, I do understand that. Uh, and then you've got a, a box with the con- you can even print out a say a, a Siemens star target. Look it up on the internet. Just type it's Google. Do a search, an internet search, um, Siemens star target images, and then you'll find tons of them. You can print that out on a on a inkjet or laser printer quite easily. That can be your focusing point. Right. I like um, the cereal box. It sounds just like you know. Yep. A lot more yep. fun. <laughs> well, it's got it's got a lot of writing on it too, especially yeah. the back part. It gets down quite fine. Yeah. You know that print that tells you how much sugar's in it, which yes. they don't want you to read, is really small. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's quite good, and um, that's what you're shooting, and when and you're getting that focusing point, pretty much in the middle of the box. Right. Focus indicator in the in the in the middle of your focusing screen. Now, the thing on the focusing indicators, and I think we probably touched on that last time, but they're an indicator. They're not the actual point of focus. The actual point of focus is normally bigger than the indicator that you see in the viewfinder. Ah, we didn't talk about this last time. This is so interesting Uh, because you can actually micro-adjust those uh, focus indicators. Is that not real either? Um, Well, on the the, um, the mirrorless systems, it's real. Yeah. But on... On the actual, on a, say a DSLR, where yeah. you can say put groups and make them big and small. Yeah. The focus sensors themselves are, are one size, and they don't change. What they do is they'll group four or five together to make it a big sensor. Ah, interesting. But it is actually physically happening on a mirrorless camera. Yes. Yeah. You can you can choose because it, on a mirrorless camera they have. Um, particularly the new ones, they have a phase detect system where the pixels, some of the pixels have uh, micro lenses with splits in them in front of the lens, like the old split focusing screen. Yep. Um, and so the pixels themselves become the little um, phase detect sensors. So your DSLR has a dedicated sensor in the mirror box. Yep. Mirrorless camera uses the whole sensor. And there's always been that contentious point that is a mirrorless system as good focus as um, a DSLR, and? a dedicated focusing system. Well, you know, that's again, I think at the moment, with the recent release of, say, the Sony A9s, the Nikon Z series, and Panasonic's also just released a big brain mirrorless, and Canon as well. Yeah. So, the, 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 I think we need to revisit it before the judgment's out. At the moment, with what was on the market, you know, say the start of this year, I'd I'd say that your DSLRs perform better for sports focusing. Yes, because it's faster, because it's not searching. uh, It's not doing that split screen where it goes on a mirrorless, from my understanding, it goes out of focus uh, and then back in focus. It searches uh, and that's what slows the focus down. Yeah, so the, you know the your three D you've got options in your focusing system where you can have it fully automatic, where it, it, it tracks the subject and it does three D focusing and you know all sorts of fancy terminology for it. Yeah. The end of the day, that's just using a lot of processing power and often slows your focus down for sports stuff. It's not the best thing to do when you look at sports photographers; they're not shooting in that mode. No. 
they're shooting in continuous focus. They've got a select group, maybe um, five or nine yeah. focusing points um, with, with uh, focus activation or tracking set to a short mode so it happens quickly. And that's what they run with typically. Um, and they don't always use the edge sensors because the edge sensors on your focusing system aren't as, uh, uh, they're not as dynamic. So they're, they're slightly smaller sensors than the middle ones. Yeah. They don't handle diagonal lines as well as the middle does. And they don't handle low contrast as well as the middle one. So the middle sensors is the best and the most accurate. The middle, the, the, cr yeah. the cross focus. Yeah, cross focus. Uh, yeah. So, so most cameras now offer you uh, the option to only uh, focus on the cross focus points. That's what I have my cameras set to. And I've got, yep. I don't know how many, 15 or something from yep. an option of say 65. I can't remember what the numbers are, but, but yep. it, it reduces it significantly, but it's improved the number of keepers because it's, just a better focusing system, uh, yep. the cross focus. Is that real or is that imaginary? Is it still uh, no, the middle point? That's, that's yeah, it's real. It's still the very much the little middle point. The middle point is is physic. The sensor itself is basically the, the autofocus sensor is a CCD in its own right. Right. And they used to be monochromatic only. Um, that is, are only sensitive to one frequency of light, um, and, and particularly it was sort of like a green to red frequency around there. Um, and you, the autofocus assist sensor on um, the flash units is red. You notice that when right. the low light yeah. kicks in and the focus beam comes out, that's red um, because that's where their peak sensitivity was in these autofocus sensors. Now they're, they're much more sensitive in, in various um, uh, frequencies of light, so they'll, they'll tackle blue light better, they'll tackle red light better. And you know, the light, the frequency, huge difference when, when you when it's critical when you're shooting wide open. Right. Uh, you shoot under tungsten light. You shoot in daylight or LEDs or fluorescent. That can change the focus. Really? Yeah. Which one affects the focus more? Which which um, um... tungsten affects the focus the most because it really? has it's got more infrared and red, and the cameras respond to that particularly because they're sensitive in that area, hence the red infrared focusing system. So so is it easier to focus in tungsten light? Yeah, it is. It'll tend to throw your focus forward more. Really? Tungsten and daylight. The tungsten and daylight are very similar in the focusing. Um, we, we specifically have uh, frequencies of light um, uh, setups light boxes as such. So when we do our focus adjustments, the manufacturers have a specific frequency that we use to calibrate the focus. And they are different between different brands, interestingly. Huh. <laughs> but um, uh, we we do use multi-frequency light, multi-spectrum light, because the focus changes. And so uh, and your fluorescent and your LED, which have very little um, red or deep red, uh, near infrared red, I should say, uh, they they will tend to um, focus a little bit differently as well. So they'll they'll tend to. In actual fact, I, I just correct myself there. Um, the near infrared in tungsten and daylight will tend to shift your focus back 
sorry, I did say forward. So it will shift your focus back slightly, and fluorescent and LED will shift your focus forward slightly. That's so interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. Wow. Um, all right, just getting back to this uh, home kit here. So we've, yep. we, we'll just uh, finish that one off. So you've got the 8-metre tape measure on the ground. The cereal box is positioned at 5 metres. You're standing at the zero mark with your camera. Are you so? Are you down on the ground level, or are you pointing uh, down no, you're slightly? Pointing, you're pointing down slightly, and, and um, that's that's fine because you're at five meters. When you get a little bit closer, you probably want to get on your knees. Yes. Uh, make the proposal, and yeah, take the shot. Right. That and that's important to be at the same level as you get closer. At what distance from the cereal box should you Say, start? Around a, yeah, good point. About two meters. If you're at a two meter. Um, from the box, then you know get down a little bit lower because otherwise you're pointing quite down at a acute angle, uh, and and it's harder to see where the focus is. Yeah. On, on the tape measure, it, it's easier when you're when you're at a, a more of an acute angle. So to make it more um, uh, consistent for the results, should you just be at that at, at knee level for the entire test? Would that be? Uh, a- not- yeah, not necessarily. Um, yeah, probably at knee level at five metres is a little bit too low. Right. Yeah, it's a little bit too low. So, so standing at five metres, yep. knee level at two metres. Yep, yeah, that's a, that's a good rule of thumb to do that, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. And then and then, you'll, then you can um, tweak the micro adjustments uh, by going into your camera's... Um, uh, yep. Menu settings. There'll be a, a point is, now. Are all cameras? Do all cameras have the ability to do this? Micro all adjustments. Pro, all pro cameras that sold within the last ten years do. All pro cameras. Any? Yeah. Uh, what about entry uh, level? Then your entry level cameras to a certain level, they do have that. Um, Say, so, um, if you if you paid about a thousand dollars for an entry level, you know, or twelve twelve say or twelve twelve hundred for Australian dollars. Um, right. An entry-level camera, you should have that feature in there if it's been purchased within, say, the last five years, definitely. Okay, so if you've got a camera that doesn't have this, uh, then, then bring it in. That that can be adjusted at your at yeah. your um. Yep, take it into your your favourite service centre, and yeah. um, they should be able to do a, a, a focus adjust, shift adjustment on it. Um, most definitely, it's a software um, tool, and. If you if you don't want to have that micro adjustment in it, and it's not an uncommon thing to get these as a whole kit, focus of optimization. So we'll we'll adjust everything to be factory standard position or default focus. So you buy a new lens or you buy a new body, they're all adjusted to that same standard, that same position. So they all match with each other. Then that's uh, that's the, the the point of it, just getting it to one standard that's common across that brand. Right. So what I commonly do is um, when I bring my camera in to get the sensor cleaned, I'll bring a lens with it and have it calibrated at that time because they do like, so daily wear, you know, wear and tear, taking the lens off, putting it back in. And also for me, I've found that when I'm flying with the cameras, the screws loosen, particularly on my 70 to 200. Yeah, they do. What can I do to avoid that? Um, look, if, if, uh, don't fly, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. carry it on your lap. No, 
um, it, it, vibrations will do that. And um, there, there's there's a Loctite that's used on the screws that, and it's it's not super glue. Or it's not um, any aggressive glues. You don't want to use that because if when you need to take those screws out, you can't if you use the wrong type of glues. It's a special sealant that's designed to be able to be undone, particularly undone with heat. Right. Right. Um, and yeah. Once, if they've come loose once and you need to get them to a service centre, they shouldn't come loose again, providing that they've used the right sort of Loctite. Some of the lenses, having said that, uh, you might see a couple of times, um, particularly that one that you mentioned. <laughs> right. They're notorious for that. And the worst thing is, is that when the screw comes loose inside your camera, which has happened in some cameras, and then, of course, it just floats around in short circuits. Oh, my God. That's a nightmare. So if, you, if you get a rattle, if you hear something rattling inside and it sounds metallic, uh, then take the battery out and try not to use it if you can. Oh, right, get yeah, because you could do a lot, lot of damage in that, in yeah. that instance. So um, rule of thumb, how often should you be calibrating your lens if you're, say, a, a regular shooter? What, 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 what sort of time? Okay. Good for business, I'd say every year. Yeah. That's not what we're about. That's good for my business, not for yours. Yeah. What it, you, you get it looked at and checked when you notice there's a problem. And so what we do, for example, when you send a camera in here for a sensor clean, yep. we encourage you to put a lens on it because yes. we'll check that lens and there's no extra charge to check the lens. Yeah. It's a free service, so we'll clean and check that. The reason we do that is because we know these things wander yeah. and they do go out. So we'll check the focus of your body and your lens during a standard sensor clean. And that's done within 24 hours. So um, any of your service centres will be able to run a focus check on it. With the tape measure in the serial box or a brick wall, nice and parallel, you can do your own. Yeah. And when you notice there's something wrong, then you get it looked at. Um, do that regularly. Do that in between, you know, your shoots. You might look, start. You might get the habit of doing it once a month or, you know, just before you do some important shoot. And that's the thing I emphasise because... You know, it is a highly technical piece of equipment. When you mm. pull it out of that bag and you want to capture that moment in time that never is repeated again, mm. it's got to be working right. And this is your, your job and career and this is a tool. So treat the tools well and it will treat you well. Fantastic. All right. Yeah. Uh, as always, um, Wayne, um, amazing to chat with you. There's like I could talk to you for hours on end i will definitely get you back and we'll do a deep dive in another area i guess but um where can where can people find you uh jenna uh, thank you um you can you can find us in uh camera clinic and that's in collingwood um look us up on the net there's plenty of information about that and we're open from 7 30 to 6 monday friday you're more than welcome to give a call and ask any questions it's, okay uh, no charge to do that. <laughs> and I'll put a link to your website in the show notes and you've also got a Facebook page there. So, uh, Wayne, always uh, amazing to chat to you. I've learnt so much today, so I thank you very much. And like I always say, memories are meant to be shared, so keep shooting. Oh, thanks, Wayne. You're welcome. Thanks, Gina. Bye now. <laughs>
There we go. That was a great chat you had with Wazar, with Wayne. <laughs> and um, that really was a great tip about the cereal box and the tape measure. But I have to say, you might think that cereal is not $7, and it probably isn't, to be honest. It's probably cheaper. But tape measures are not as cheap as one thinks. Tape, a good tape measure actually costs a decent amount of money. But having said that, it's probably better than a $200 kit. Definitely, but you can get a tape measure, the, the metal ones, for maybe fifteen dollars. Yeah, but you want ones, you know, that stay. That they stay, stay in up. when they yeah, yeah they stay up. Oh. But but it's on the ground, so but yeah, still yes, you, you know, for other purposes. But mm. you know, look, you could buy the seven dollar gold plated cereal and do it with that, and <laughs> uh, and you could buy a gold plated tape measure if you want. So but do that, yeah, but um. Thanks, Wayne. Uh, cool. Always yeah, amazing thanks, to chat to you. So if you are mm. in Australia and like – so what I do is when I get my sensor cleaned on my camera, which is about mm. once a year, I take a lens with it and they mm-hmm. will calibrate my lens for free when I do the sensor clean so I don't need to muck around with all of that. So that's what I generally do. So if you don't want to go out and buy the cereal box, then – and, and uh, then maybe think about doing that. Take a lens with your camera and uh, take it to your whoever looks after your cameras for you and get them to calibrate the lens for you. And if you're in Australia, uh, then check out uh, the camera clinic. They really do good work and they've got like a one-day turnaround uh, for professionals. So you can drop your camera off and pick it up same day. Uh, so that's the cameraclinic.com.au and I'll put those uh, links it's, in the show it's notes. actually it's actually camera clinic without camera the, the. so just cam camera clinic.com.au and yeah we'll put the links in the show notes which you'll find at gina militia.com and none of this is sponsored uh no, gina just genuinely just bloke. loves Wayne. he's a great bloke <laughs> All so right, I so what are you internet, doing? Val. I learned the internet, Oh, you learned the internet. Yes, <laughs> important. So um, what are you doing in the coming week, Gina? I'm about to go and recoat the deck, Val. But <laughs> oh, yes, that's right, more of the duck, <laughs> the deck. Uh, I'm working on a cast comp at the moment, so that's always really complicated, and I like to do these things slowly because I find that if you stare at the same image for ages, then um, you get so used to it. So I like to do a little bit, walk away do a little bit so that's a a big job that I've been working on for newbies uh what Jean is referring to with a cast comp is that she often photographs the casts of you know movies or television shows but often especially if there's a big cast they're not all available on the same day and so she might only have access to them at different times or, or on different days but they still need to appear in the same um, on the same set ultimately in the final pick or you're certainly in the same image so she needs to comp them all together and um, make sure that they look like they're actually they were all taken at the same time and all interacting with each other and all scaled so that yeah. they look like they're the right heights and and that sort of thing and that 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 and that, that the photo doesn't look like it's been taken and, and stuck together. And she does a brilliant job with them, I have Thank, to say. I always thanks. love your cast comps. Thanks, Val. And then I will be, because it's the end of the month, which means it is time to record all the constructive critiques for the gold members. So I'll be doing ah, yes. those as well. Awesome. You're going to be busy. Yes, I will be busy. And what all about right, you, Val? So what are you f- doing? 
Oh, gosh. Well, I'm coming towards the end of the course that I've been doing, which is the Diploma of Surface Design. And so I've got a million and one assignments to you. And so I'll be doing that. Lots of assignments, <laughs> okay, to be honest. Great. Mm. So where do we find you online, Gina? So ginamilitia.com, G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Gina Militia. I'm in the podcast Facebook group. And if you want to connect with me in person and you uh, want to take your photography to the next level, then think about coming and joining the goal community. I love teaching. I love sharing mm. uh, all the techniques that I've learned over the years and I'd love to work with you. So that's go to my website and click on join the community. And you, Val? And you, yes. Yeah, so I am, where, 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 what am I doing? Oh, no, I've already told you what I'm yeah, doing. where are you? You'll find me, you'll find me online at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.